This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen. Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Well, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Uh, it's a uh, a little bit different Church Boys podcast today. Billy is here. He's somewhere lurking, um, and we'll, he'll join us here in a second, I guess. Billy, Billy, I can't I'm, hear you. Are I'm you there? here. Okay, you're there. So this is how <laughs> we are professional today. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been here. I can't even hear, but I couldn't hear you. I didn't know if you were talking or not. So this is this is no, how professional we watching, are. I was watching you. I wasn't talking. So, so we're doing things a little bit different today. <laughs> we're way more professional today than we normally are. We have a special guest, and we're gonna we're gonna kick off the show with an interview. Um, we which have, we never do, which nope, we never do, yeah, which I love. This is a this is a fun new way to to do things, and <laughs> she has been on the line listening to this and is horrified, Probably trying to hang up. Hor- she's horrified <laughs> and wondering where has my career gone. Um, Billy, would you introduce our special guest I this will. morning? Listen, so our, our guest, this is this is an exciting interview because I think a lot of us have questions about the electoral process. We're, you know, we're pretty close to the election at this point. And so we have author Tara Ross on the line. She has a new book out, We Elect a President, the story of our electoral college. Uh, Tara, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming on. So, so thankful um, she, I'm so thankful you didn't hang up. <laughs> she might have what was that you, guys, you did warn me so we did we did give on. you a warning um so you know i guess to start because i i think that a lot of americans don't they're they're just not really sure how the electoral college works and then some people are sure how it works and they don't like it um they feel like it's it's not representative of the of the people at large take me through um I guess take me through first how it how does the system work and why do we have it? I know that's sort of a loaded a couple of loaded statements slash questions, but I'll just throw it out to you. I think I'll start with why do we have it? Because it, it helps a lot to know what the founders were thinking. And the most important thing to know about their mindset as they were crafting our entire constitution, not not just the Electoral College, but the whole thing, is that they were not trying to create a pure democracy. Whatever you may hear the mainstream media say or any elected official say, we don't live in a pure democracy. We live in a 
a, a country that has democratic principles, but also Republican small R principles, um, meaning we have deliberation and compromise, um, federalist principles, meaning that we have um, state by state action sometimes. And the reason they did this is because they knew that in a pure democracy, 51% of the people can rule over the other 49% all the time without question, no matter how ridiculous their demands. <laughs> so, you know, you can imagine in the wake of something like 9-11 and rage, fear, um, just some kind of emotion in the grip of events, what, what 51% could do to the other 49%. And the founders knew that as a matter of history, democ- democracies implode, and they implode because of this dynamic where a bare or emotional majority will run roughshod over everybody else. Right. So they wanted to do something better. I mean, they, they wanted to be self-governing. They just fought this whole American revolution because, you know, they, they didn't have any representation in parliament. So right. how, can you, how can you make these two things work together? How can you be self-governing but also protect large minority groups? Of course, they were especially worried about the small states. So they, they solved their problem by creating a constitution with lots of checks and balances, lots of safeguards. Um, we're used to many of them, a Senate with one state, one vote representation, and a House with one person, one vote, or a presidential veto, or supermajority requirements to amend the Constitution. But the Electoral College is just one of the, these safeguards. And really, as the system is operated today, it, is, it operates as a blend of democracy, self-governance, we go vote, and federalism, also a state-by-state aspect to it. And I would argue that this protects our freedom at the end of the day. No, that's great, and I think that's really that's really helpful. Um, why do you think so many people still have the negative views? Because th- those negative views are out there, and I know that y- you've spoken about them quite a bit. What What do you think creates mm-hmm. that? I think most of it drills down to just not understanding the system, not understanding the benefits. I think this year we have a whole new added hurdle of people hated the way the primaries worked, and so. I, me included, by the way, <laughs> but I think um, it's, it's important to clarify that the primaries are not the same as the Electoral College. The political right. primaries are a product of the political parties and the state governments, whereas the, the, the Electoral College is in the Constitution. So, you know, my experience is that the more people understand the Electoral College in, in, our, in our general election, the more appreciative they are of it. And it has many benefits that you don't really stop to think about until you, you know, until you're confronted with them, I guess. But um, for one thing, it makes, um, it forces presidential candidates to build national coalitions. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that's part of why we have a problem this year. Our, our primaries do not have that kind of incentive worked into it, where a candidate has to build coalitions and bring people together to be successful. And so now we have these candidates who didn't have to meet this requirement before, but now they do because that is what the Electoral College requires of people. If you don't build national coalitions, if you don't focus on what people have in common instead of what they have you know, different, where they disagree, how are you going to win multiple states simultaneously? How are you going to convince both the South you know, and the East or something, or the Midwest to support you? How can you get all these different parts of the country, different industries, different subcultures? Um, how can you get as many people as possible to support you all at the same time. The Electoral College is one important factor that has forced our country as a matter of history to, to do that. Um, it has other benefits too that people don't think about. For instance, it's harder to steal an election with the Electoral College in place. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that 
it's impossible to ever steal an election in this country ever, ever, because people are imperfect and people, some people are corrupt and some people will try to do that. But the Electoral College makes it as hard as humanly possible. Without the Electoral College, you could steal a vote in any precinct in this country, no matter how easy it was to steal, you know, in the bluest blue precinct or the reddest red one, and it would affect the national tally. Um, and that that's not good. You know, you cannot play defense on in every single precinct of the country simultaneously. That's really hard. With the Electoral College in place, you need to know, okay, this is where it matters, this state. Uh, or you, you would have to be able to predict that in advance, which is hard, right? I mean, how do you know which state is going to be the Florida 2000? Right. Nobody really knows that. But even if you do or you think you do, then probably everybody else has figured it out too. Think Ohio 2004. And Everybody, every lawyer I knew was there watching the polls or helping to count. Um, there's so many poll watchers. It's, it's harder. It is significantly harder. Again, I'm not going to pretend there's any such thing as a perfect system, but it is definitely much easier to stop it with the Electoral College in place. What would you, what Can, would you say is the biggest misunderstanding or misconception Americans have about the Electoral College? I think that people... Um, probably that it's not democratic, that it's like somehow anti-democratic or that um, we don't need, I hear people say we don't need it anymore because the found, you know, something about new technology and new, you know, we can communicate better now. We got 24 hour news. We got the internet. We just don't need this stuff anymore. The founders were creating it because of communication problems. Um, That's not accurate. The reason the founders created the, the electoral college, just like every other aspect of our constitution, by the way, was because they knew that, humans are imperfect. We are sinful creatures. <laughs> and that has not changed since, you know, 1787. And they, they knew that power corrupts. They knew that when people are in power for too long, it can go to their heads, even if they're well-intentioned. We see all of these dynamics happening today. They wanted to put as many checks and balances in our constitution as humanly possible to protect against imperfect human nature. Right. And the Electoral College is one of those things. And, and, you know, whatever, we have the internet now, the founders didn't care. That's not why they were doing this. Right. So I, I found it interesting that, yeah, the people who would say that it's not democratic, in, in other words, saying that it takes away people's voices. It's funny, if you think about the 2000 election, I mean, there's the prime example. I think, to me, that's the one that the, the popular vote people say, well, that's that's an example we need to rely on the popular vote. And the Electoral College people say, no, no, look at look at how it turned out. Wyoming's vote actually mattered. The Wyoming's mm-hmm. you know, the voters actually had their voice heard because... Excuse me. In the 2000 election, I was actually at the Capitol. I, I worked in, in, in the Capitol building for the Republican leadership and was there when they were having the tally because they, they tally the Electoral College there in Congress. And George Bush didn't hit 271 until Wyoming, the last state, because they go alphabetically, <laughs> alphabetically, the low Wyoming, the last state put him over the top because the Electoral College right. and their voice was heard. I think it's a very democratic right. way to do things. You know, and maybe we were all so close emotionally to that election and had personal vested interests in who won. Sometimes maybe the, the easier thing is, or it's just easier to see the principle, is to look further back. So the last time before George Bush that that happened was 1888. And in that election year, Grover Cleveland won the popular vote by a fair amount, but he lost the Electoral College vote by really kind of a lot, all things considered. Right. And the reason that Grover Cleveland had won the popular vote but lost the, the electoral vote was because he had was relying too heavily on six southern states. Hmm. 
Mm. He had landslide victories, huge landslide victories in six southern states. So I would argue, you know what, it was better that Benjamin Harrison won that year. He, Benjamin Harrison was a better coalition builder. He had more broad-based appeal across more parts of the country. Grover Cleveland, if he had been allowed to win that year, would have done so based on his perceived – I actually don't think he was as Southern as he was perceived, but his, the perception that he right. was going to represent the South right. in a couple of issues. Right. And, and that's not good. That's not healthy for our country. Interesting. So what do you think about, there's a, there's a movement afoot and it's actually gained some popularity. And I know that, um, it's kind of quieted down recently, but I'm sure it'll pick up steam again after this election. And there's a movement among, amongst the state legislatures because the constitution allows the, the state mm-hmm. to appoint the, le- the electors the way that they can determine the electors or wh- whatever, however they want. Uh, but there's a movement afoot th- uh, amongst the coalition of states saying whoever gets the popular vote, that's who's going to get our electors. And if you hit enough states that pass that law, then, then it is determined by popular vote. But the, you know, my criticism of it is that we want to stay at the electoral college and their, and their response I think is fair because it is a federalist argument that the state gets to decide how they determine their electors. And if they want to build this coalition, they're, mm-hmm. they're more than allowed to. What's your response to that organization, that group, that movement? Well, so I've, yeah, I've testified against that organization yeah. many times. And what I would say is if you believe so strongly that Massachusetts should give its, its, its state's electors to the winner of the national popular vote, then do that now. You don't need a contract saying that every other state's going to go with you. Just right. do it now if this is so good for Massachusetts. Right. Of course, they don't think it's good for Massachusetts. They think that it, it is a way around the constitutional amendment process, which would ultimately require them to get three quarters of the states to agree with them. They know they, they can't get that. And so it is easier with, with the, the proposal they have, they could get as few as 11 states. To, uh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. Is that right? I think it's 11 states. <laughs> I haven't thought about this in a while. <laughs> 11 states. It's a handful. It's a very small amount. Right. And if they got the biggest states to do it, which of course they won't because they'll, they'll not get Texas. But still, they could get 17 or 18 states yep. to, to get on board with them as opposed to three quarters of the states that they would need if they wanted a constitutional amendment. Right. So that's the real reason that they're doing this. Is right. It's an end run around the process. Well, and even, even then, you'd have to get three quarters of the states and the people voting within the state to approve the amendment rather than just the legislature passing the passing the law that allows them to get around the amendment process, right? Well, it depends on how Congress decides to, to pass it down to the states because they can do it. They can do it two ways. Right. They can say hold a convention or they can say the legislature decide. Right. Even, even then though, even, even if, even if, even then that's still more difficult than the, just simply the legislature just simply deciding. I mean, there's, there's so, sure. much, there's so much more paperwork, <laughs> red tape for one, for, be, for one friend mm-hmm. tapes a good thing, you know? If, if nothing else, it would be in the news and it would be much yeah. louder. Uh, much of what they've been doing right now has been behind closed doors and they're just, you know, they just shove it through without much discussion or fanfare. Yeah, and, and most people have no idea that um, it has been, I believe it's 10 states plus D.C., right. that they have 165 electoral votes on board with this measure. And yeah. most people have no idea right. that we are... 105 electoral votes away from a big legal fight about whether we're going to lose our electoral college. <laughs> no, do you think? Because there will be a big legal fight about whether it's constitutional. Do you think? Do you think that the Supreme Court? Where do you think the Supreme Court would fall on that? I think that I think for, first of all, I think your rhetorical argument is is the best one I've heard, and that is if Massachusetts wants to do it, go ahead, Massachusetts. But um, what what is the? Where do you think the Supreme Court's going to come down on that? I mean, what's the what's the what is the what is the legal argument against this? 
what we're calling an end run around the Constitution. Well, you know, there's some great language in some past um, court cases that basically says, you know, you, you can't like jump through hoops and like finagle something so that you can do basically do the opposite of what the founders wanted you to do. I think it's in the line item veto case that that that, that language exists. Okay. And it's like, you know, look, the founders were explicitly against a national popular vote. They said no, you know, yeah. and so you think you're going to squeak your way through this little loophole and that way and this way, and you're just going to make something unconstitutional happen or something that's like the opposite of the constitutional procedure. I mean, I hope that they would, that they would do that. It's completely untested, uncharted legal territory. Otherwise you would be looking to cases like the line item veto and that sort of thing. But, um, so you know, in, in that case, it was basically, look, you know, they, they, pa- they passed a law as a package. And if you're going to just take out one little item you know, there were compromises and there were things that went in there and you don't know that the other part of the bill would have passed without that compromise that you just struck. You see what I'm saying? Right. And, and, the, and the Constitution said Congress passes president sign. And so you're trying to turn it into something where the president can can turn it into a different bill, essentially, yeah. and then sign that one. And that's not constitutional. So what so, I mean, you, so it would be got that kind of precedent that you'd be looking to. So what's the reason that the that the states that have the combined the states in D.C. that have the combined 165 electoral college votes that have agreed to this uh, within their legislatures, mm-hmm. which they would argue the mm-hmm. Constitution allows them to appoint legis- electors, however, uh, however they choose. Uh, but how, what is what? Why hasn't that been brought to court already to a to a federal court or even all the way to the Supreme Court? Is is that because there's no one who has standing to file it? Exactly. I mean, because the contract's not in effect yet. It's just it's wait. The contract does not go into effect. So so basically, what they're doing. I I don't know if I said this right from the beginning. It is a contract. It's basically a contract. You know, yeah. and you just sign it and say we agree to do this. We agree to give our electors to the winner of the national popular vote. Um, Now a contract looks suspiciously like a constitutional amendment (laughs) and the constitutional procedure for changing constitutional institutions isn't a contract. It's an article five of the constitution and it says you need an amendment. (laughs) So, you know, but but anyway, they, they, this contract hasn't gone into effect yet. And so, and, and it, I just don't, there's any, there's no standing. It's considered just, there's right. nothing you can do right. until they have enough signatures on it. And so, and also, is it a tr- would it be a treaty among this among these ver- these various states, and is that legal? Well, if you want to have, um, so their best argument, if they want to say that this is a real contract, is they need to say, well, this is an interstate compact among states that can be put into effect if Congress approves it. Mm. Um, and so, of course, they say they don't need congressional approval. But I would say the absolute best legal case for them is that they need congressional approval. Now, I don't think Congress should approve it for a variety of reasons, um, including the fact that this, this appears to be an end run around a, a constitutional amendment process that they should be using. Mm. And if people really want to get rid of the Electoral College, they should they should build a coalition of people nationwide that want to get rid of it. Right. You know, and I'll, I'll fight them tooth and nail. <laughs> and I'll talk to people like you, right. but the, the, this is the process that our constitution has given us. And it is one of the safeguards that keeps a bare majority from tyrannizing everybody else. I mean, as it's working right now, a bunch of blue states, Massachusetts and California and some of New Jersey, some of these other states that have signed it would be bullying a state like Wyoming. Right. And, you know, who doesn't want to do this? Right. So, and who has a constitutional right to demand a different procedure? Interesting. Now, I've, I've done my darndest to keep Billy from speaking 
Tara, but I'm going yeah, I mean, to have to let him endless. ask a question. It's, uh, you're awful. But, <laughs> well, I was going to ask, my, my last question, um, Tara, for you is just when we look at what's going on right now with the two candidates we have um, and you look at past elections, how do you see this election, particularly in light of the Electoral College, as potentially playing out differently, more unpredictably maybe, um, just because of who these candidates are. I mean, is there anything you could maybe mm-hmm. speak to on that front? I'll probably go back to what I said earlier Earlier about the primaries, I think, failed us. And they failed us because everything I said about coalition building through the electoral college process was not required in the primaries. Um, in the primaries, divisiveness was rewarded, you know, fractured electorate rewarded. Everybody goes off into their little corner Let's hunker down and see if we can get the best plurality, <laughs> you know, not even a majority, but just we can just get more than everybody else, even if it's 25 percent or whatever. And this is not healthy for us. This is not a good place to be um, now. So so we have these primaries that have produced these candidates. And so I, I'll preface this by saying I am, I am talking about coalition building and, and electoral how they appeal as an electoral matter, not particular policies or anything like that, but as an electoral matter. Right now, we have two candidates who have not demonstrated an ability to build a coalition. I mean, the biggest coalition in America right now, if you look at the polls, is the coalition of people who want a different choice. (laughs) You know, they just wish there was somebody else. And so normally, I I do think this election election is somewhat unpredictable. Um, And I think at the end of the day, you know, I used the analogy earlier, um, or I have been using the analogy that both candidates, both parties in a way nominated George McGovern. Okay. So again, not talking policies, I'm talking about coalition building. Now George McGovern was perceived as a candidate that could only appeal to one kind of voter in the democratic party. And the end result was that the Republicans blew him away. And, and normally you have one party nominating a George McGovern like person and it's a mistake. And the other party nominates somebody kind of more mainstream. And that person wins in a landslide. We don't normally have two parties nominating a George McGovern kind of figure simultaneously. We don't normally have two two parties, two political candidates that are really pretty disliked and not trusted or whatever. So that makes me think this is a much more unpredictable year. It makes me think, you know, th- a third party candidate should perform better than you would normally expect. Um, I think that I think part of what um, has made me sad looking at the election year is just seeing how many people feel trapped and like, like I have to choose between these two people. And I'm not sure I really agree with that. I think, again, I go back to the person who builds the best coalition will win. So who's going to build the best coalition? Is it going to be the Democrats, the Republicans or a third party? Right. No, I don't know. No, the, but, the, but that's coalition building is required. Well, the coalition building thing is required, especially for the electoral college where it doesn't, what's different about the primaries is we, in the, in, <clears throat> In the, in the electoral college, in the general election, it is essentially a two-party system. But in the primaries, it is a, at least early, it is a multi-party system within the party, right? So a plurality is fine. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. And in fact, in the electoral college, in the general election, except for, I think, Louisiana, it's a plurality there too, right? I mean, within within each state. If, you know, I live in Washington state. If Hillary Clinton wins 40% mm-hmm. of the vote and, and Donald Trump gets, you know, 35% of the vote, Hillary gets it. Mm-hmm. So it's still it's still a plurality mm-hmm. within the state, but you're talking coalition of states, uh, a, 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 right, perhaps right. even a plurality amongst a group of states. 
the Electoral College encourages our two-party system. I actually, I am a fan of that. I, I know it. I, I think that is overall a good thing. The reason it's overall a good thing is because we don't want our general election to look like the Republican primaries just looked. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. I mean, but that does happen in other countries, like in France. Right. And and we we are lucky that we've avoided that. Our Electoral College protects us from extremist third-party candidates, think like George Wallace, that would otherwise be able to get a lot more traction in our country. On the other hand, I feel like the Electoral College has always been a really nice balance. Um, If there is a large third party that that has a lot of support, it can influence the process. Now, they may not always win the election. Okay, Ross Perot is an example of that kind of dynamic. Ross Perot had a lot of support. He got 18.9% of the vote didn't win on a single elector, but he definitely influenced politics for the next two years because both parties were really, both parties were worried that they had lost some of their voters to him, you know, and they, they worked hard to figure out how they could get those people back. And competition is good for everybody. And, um, you know, Republicans had their contract with America and Democrats wanted to raise taxes to balance the budget or something. But the point is just everybody had to address those fiscal concerns of the pro-voters. Um, you know, another time when it, it was probably a little bit different than that. I mean, in, in 1860, of course, our country was really divided. And right. I mean, it was just a train wreck. Right? <laughs> but, right. But the Republican Party was effectively a third party that year and won. Um, they, it was there probably wasn't great coalition building anywhere, but but the Republican Party did it better than anybody else. It was a four way race that year. Yeah. And so it was only the second election the Republican Party had ever appeared in. Mm-hmm. So I I just think. It's a nice balance, and um, I, what I most hope for the next six-ish weeks, however long it is, is that we will spend time learning about our system and learning why things operate the way they do and, and understand the, the many, actually the many choices that we have before us. Great. Hey, Tara, so, Tara, where, where can people find out more about what you're doing, what you're up to, and get your book and all that stuff? So the new book is a kid's book. I actually did write an adult book before that, but I, you know, it's a tough subject and it seemed like a a kid's book was required. (laughs) And I think that'll be really helpful to Chris in terms of consuming this sort of content. I think a kid's book is perfect for him. So the the kid's book is the basics. Does it come with (laughs) color crayons? The adult book has all the new ones. I'm sorry? Does it come with coloring crayons, the kid's book? Oh, that was a good idea. I didn't do it. Oh, <laughs> it does have good pictures, though, oh, okay, like very good. pretty pictures. Okay, well, I'm excited. <laughs> so it's for a, it. I'm excited for it. And and people can get it on your on your website, right? It's is it terrible? My stuff? my website, terrorboss.com, mm-hmm, or you can go to weelectapresident.com, and it will take you to the Amazon link. Oh, good. And you can find it there as well. Right. Well, thank you so much. It's been great having you on. We'd love to have you back, maybe closer to the election. All right. I would love to come. Hey, thanks, Sarah. All, right. All right. Bye bye. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real estate agents, I trust.com. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my Okay, so that was a really good interview. Tara is like super smart. 
I'm way smarter than oh, either she, of us. The fact that she was willing to slum it with us for about what was it, twenty five minutes or so, speaks volumes of her to her patience. Because it does, it does. It's really well. Before uh, we actually, we just agreed we were going to talk about something, but I I wanted to okay. throw something in really quickly because I keep seeing it. This picture of Nessie, and I'm not talking oh, about Hillary Clinton. Awesome. I'm talking about the yes. Loch Ness monster. Yes, I saw it too. I loved it. Nessie. I love the Nessie stuff because I do, I do too. I totally want to believe the the conspiracy theory that it's a it's a dinosaur from long ago, a water dinosaur. I, I forget the name of the dinosaur that that basically hit itself underwater and survived. I want to believe that. Right. I don't know that I think it's true, but I want to believe it. And it says, according to the UK Mirror, the photos were taken by. I love this is in the headline: Scottish whiskey worker captures birds. <laughs> We promise he was not intoxicated I didn't at even the time. Know, I didn't even know drinking was a thing in Scotland. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. I just can't. But those pictures, but those pictures I, are amazing. What did you think about it? What did you think? Well, I think it's, I'm, who knows what it is. The, the, the weird thing is, so if you look at that photo, and then there's, there's three parts of this creature, whatever it is, that break the water, right? And the first one looks like, it looks like a seal, like a sea lion, like the head of a sea lion. That's what it looks like to me. And in the middle, there's a hump like a giant sea serpent. And in the back, there's another hump like you would picture a snake coming up out of the water. Well, what's interesting is the, really the dinosaur that I wish I had the name. I'm, I'm pulling it up and trying to find it. The name that the theory and the, this um, long surviving dinosaur kind of looks like that. It has a face like that. Oh, it yeah. has a, a tail like that, like a tail on the end. So it, it makes you kind of laugh to yourself and wonder and go, hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I love the whole Loch Ness monster thing, the Bigfoot thing. I love that stuff. I don't. Believe, I mean, I'm sure none of it's true, it, but, but yeah, I, I don't buy into it. But I do think it's fascinating. So. I mean, honestly, I'd vote for that over what we have. Oh, <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we capture it and let it run for president? <laughs> it might be more effective than what we have going on now. Speaking, of I, it, I tried to get Donald Trump Jr. to come on the show today. By the way, how'd that work out? Uh, well, he'll talk. He he keeps saying he's so busy, but he's talking to everybody else. It's, he's probably like, I don't want to come on your show because you are affiliated with Glenn Beck. Because well, that, that and the fact that we will we will ask questions that make him uncomfortable. I really like I really like Don Jr. a lot. I, I really seems, like him. I, everything I've seen on TV seems like a enjoyable yeah, guy. He's a good guy. guy. He's a good guy. We've we we have direct messaged over the years yeah. on Twitter back and forth. Yeah. Um, occasionally and he shares things sometimes and you know i i like him i'd be fair to him i think it would be but you know look i don't think there's any love lost between donald trump and glenn beck so but and so there's that connection but there's also like i uh we we wouldn't be afraid to make people uncomfortable that's just how we operate in fact you thrive off of it oh yes (laughs) your discomfort is my pleasure so all right, so, so speak, let's get of, into what we were going to talk about here. Yes, cankles. Kanks. What did you call her? <laughs> I wasn't going to say it on the air. Uh, what did you call her? You got to say the name. What was it? Because I'm going to write it down. You're actually bringing up cankles. You are the Donald Trump of this show. <laughs> you really are. Except I, have, I actually have really big hands. See that? And I'm the... Well, that's debatable. But I am the... The Hillary Clinton. I say things behind people's backs, and then I pretend I didn't say them when and we get on look, the air. And you look fabulous in a pantsuit <laughs> and a muumuu. So what? What was the name you gave? You mean the, the nightgown attire? That's <laughs> where does it at? Somebody asked, "Where does she get her?" Because there's a picture of her in this just horrendous outfit. So like, where does she get her outfits? And I said, 
either from the local upholstery shop or the the tent non company the local tent non company. God, I can't. You are so. I know. You're I'm headed awful. to hell so fast. It's lightning speed down. You won't even need to get on a bus because you're going to be teleported there. Okay, so um, what was? The, but you got to give. Because it's a great, it'll be a great show title. What was the I name? I do know where she gets her clothes from. I do know oh, yeah? because the person was a donor to an organization I used to work for. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, so um, what's the name that you had for her when we were in that break? I don't recall. Something about McGee. What was it? It'll be a great show title. We, we're gonna, we are going to lose our jobs. All right, Kanks McGee, that Kanks was the name. Kanks McGee. How do you spell kinks? K-A-N-K-S? <laughs> yes, K-A-N-K-S. What I think is so funny about kinks. this, I've never seen this poor woman's ankles, and it's so terrible that this is what... Look, I have cankles, it, so I'm not, not going around not making fun of her. I just think it's a funny title. It's not a matter of that you haven't seen her ankles. It's that you can't tell where her ankles start and her calves <laughs> begin and you are going the point of the name to hell. I'm 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 already on my way there. I might as well have fun. Uh, this is a this is terrible. This is unembeddable. Do, do not let do not let your children listen to this. I can't. Um, or your wives, Pedro. Tell Mrs. Pedro to uh, to tune out. No, I honestly don't know if either candidate has cankles. I just do know. Can you imagine I, Donald Trump? What I do know is that it's a theme for some reason. And look, I don't, I do not think candidates, the way that candidates look should should be a factor no, that's me, being made me fun either. of. Yeah, you do. You, do. you totally do. You totally listen, do. Listen, I, don't I don't know that think, it's true. I don't know that I think it should be a factor. But I do think I it's think funny it, that people keep bringing this up. I, I like it as a running joke. Now, if somebody, I don't believe you make fun of somebody with a disability or or <clears throat> or a horrendous accident or something like that. But because it's a running joke with Hillary, I think the cankles thing is funny. Just like I think the making fun of Donald Trump's orange skin and weird hair is perfectly okay, and his small hands and his. Well, I never said pinch, a negative thing about Ted Cruz, pinch, so his, I don't know. And, his, <laughs> and Donald Trump's penchant for making duck face, you know, all the kind of stuff. <laughs> Otherwise known as bitch face, which you're going to have to bleep out now. I'm not bleeping it out. You're going to have a reputation. Whatever. It's it's resting bitch face. That's what you it know, is. You know, I got to do it twice. <laughs> it's bitch face. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but is I that love the same? Chris wait, 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 wait. is anxiously so writing the... down. Wait, 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 wait. What you can't see is that Chris is anxiously writing down the timestamps. <laughs> so. What I said, bitch face. <laughs> He's writing it down again. Um, so, but I have a question. So, about that that term, I know that term. Is that synonymous with the with the duck mouth at the duck lips? Because you because you do same thing, right? No, because our you know RBF resting, RBF is you know always looking like that. But duck face is like duck like I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, can we talk about the collapse heard around the world? Yes, please do. So what's interesting to me is that the people who can't stand Hillary are like, I can't believe she collapsed. This is the end of the world. No president's ever got fallen ill. And then, um, you know, presidential candidate should ever be sick. And then the other side, it's like, what do you mean? This is no big deal. Everyone gets sick sometimes, which is what like some of my relatives are saying who like Hillary. Whereas the truth is probably in the middle. I do think it is interesting to me, excuse me, um, that we 
expect these people to campaign 24 hours a day, not sleep, travel around the country, be in five different states in a day, <laughs> and then we're surprised when somebody finally collapses. I mean, it's it's right. They're not they're not superheroes. Right. That being said. Hillary has had there have been all these conspiracy theories, which, by the way, side note, I love that Hillary acts like the birther thing. She's so appalled by it, Um, because if I'm not mistaken, I know she didn't. We have no evidence that she created it. But there's there there is speculation based on a memo from 2007 that people in her campaign wanted to emphasize that Obama or 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 heavily influential Hillary supporters, the Pumas. I, I think the Pumas were the were the big pushers of it originally. Remember anyway, and some of her supporters. You remember, yes, the, they were. remember the Pumas? Yes. Party unity, my rear end. Yeah. 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 Anyway, move, moving on from that, um, there are these conspiracy theories about her health, right? right? That she has right. Parkinson's and all those other things, which I don't. I it it did seem that the collapse and the legs not moving properly and all that was very concerning at the no, least. And, I mean, Bill Clinton can't decide. Does she have the flu? He he keeps <laughs> every time he talks, she's got a different element. Well, a hangnail. And so and, and if somebody gets pneumonia, they get pneumonia. And the fact is her running mate didn't know until after she collapsed on Sunday that she'd been diagnosed with pneumonia on Friday. Tim Kaine came out and said he did not know until after her collapse. And then finally that information came well, out. He was busy reading think... Genesis one. <laughs> right. We'll get to that another time. <laughs> But I don't think that it, I don't think it is pneumonia. No, can you have pneumonia and get faint and dehydrated? Yeah, absolutely. You can have the flu sure. and the same thing. That's not what this is because that I, I, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on a podcast. But yeah, <clears throat> but I think that I here's part of why I don't think it's pneumonia, right? Because they came out and said she was playing with her granddaughter up in Chelsea's apartment, and that she then she went and hugged that little girl. It was obviously a staged come see you know Madam Hillary. You know, that little girl that came out on the on yeah. the streets in New York. If she knew she had pneumonia, what's she doing hanging around children? And they said, well, it's not contagious, except for the fact that the bacterial form of pneumonia that they say she had is highly contagious. And they had that narrative that the staff, the campaign staff, that pneumonia was going yes. around the campaign staff means it's contagious. So, but no, no, the children are never at risk either in Chelsea's apartment or that little girl because it's not contagious what she has. No, you just Well, robots a, you don't. Just create, robots have a hard time transmitting <laughs> disease. But you just had a real they just created a whole narrative that she wasn't that she was contagious because the staff had it. And then they said uh, this this answer is no, she's not contagious except for the fact that the very type of pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia that you said she had is contagious. Yeah, it, you know? it's they can't it's tell the strange. truth. It's strange. It's Look, it it may it, it very well may be a variety of things, or maybe she just maybe she just fainted and there was no explanation for right. it, and she and, didn't want to look weak, so they came up with something. Right, and there, um, are, there, there are is people, no broader issue. Right, there are people who sometimes have fainting spells, and not, yes. without without any sort of huge medical condition, it's just something that happens. And right. if that's the case, then let us know. Well, also, doesn't I mean, there are some people there was a doctor that spoke to The Washington Post who said and he wasn't a doctor who treats Hillary and everyone's different, but that the pneumonia could take over a month to get over. It could take a very long time. So it's strange that a few sick days were all that was needed before um, the multicolored pantsuits came back out. And (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I just don't. 
I don't know. And by the way, yes, for those because I know that the thing is, would you say this if it was a man? Yeah, Yeah. I make comments about weird looking ties and suits all the time. Absolutely. And if a man, if a a man, and if a man were to come into my house and take our drapes and wrap himself in them, I'd make fun of him too. (laughs) Some people are going to hell. Um, (laughs) This is the this is this podcast is unhinged today. (laughs) Um, But honestly, I just. Tara's so glad she was on this. <laughs> She's thinking, oh, oh what thanks, have I done? Thanks for, thanks for pitching this. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, you, you can't say? make what this stuff up. What, what were we? What was? Oh, oh, oh. So anyway, the collapse. I, I guess yes, that's right. it is what it is, but it's definitely hurt her. I mean, oh, you look yeah, at the polls. Yeah. and But I think she was already in trouble with the baskets of, basket of deplorables yep. thing. So I, think, I, I, you know, and I think I think that's I, to an extent. But the basket of deplorables thing isn't the first time she's used that line. It's the first time she said half of his supporters are a basket of deplorables. But she has used the deplorables line before, just not with half of his, not like specifying how many of his supporters are deplorable. She yeah. actually used the deplorables line before. I think that this health thing and this fainting and having to be thrown, well, they, they said that she was thrown into the van like a side of beef or something. I mean, the fact that she went through that, I think that that has hurt her more than the, the deplorables line. It's a disturbing the, video. The, if you the, didn't know who it was and you watched it, you would right. say, "Wow, that person's really in a in crisis." Right. The deplorables line is an, is a thing easy enough for people in the liberal media to ignore, but the fainting thing and being thrown into the the back of the van or the side of the van to to get out of there is not as easy to ignore because the video is astounding. Yeah. No. And and, um, and the fact that she yeah. hit her diagnosis, her pneumonia diagnosis. If you get a diagnosis of pneumonia, just come out and say, hey, I got pneumonia. I've been running rampant. I'm, my body's worn down. I got some fluid in my lungs. I've got a little bacteria in there. I'm contagious, but we've got it contained. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to be on these drugs that are going to keep me from being contagious. I still got to deal with the re- repercussions of having this, but I'm, everything's going to be fine. You come out and say that on a Friday afternoon, guess what? It's gone. It goes away. Nobody talks about it. I guess you know the the other element is maybe... Maybe she felt compelled to not um, look weak in some way. And, and, you know, I'm just saying maybe there's a chance that that was going on and that in order to not appear weak, she then chose to not tell the truth about it, which is a shocking (laughs) development. I suppose suppose that's a possibility. But the Clintons have always been people who obfuscate and do not tell the truth at any cost, right? Avoid the truth because the lie, the truth is always worse than the, the, the lie we can come up with. And so I, I don't, I, I don't believe her at all, which I've never really understood because on I understand there's some things you don't want to make public, but why lie up? There are other ways around lying. Like Bill Clinton could have said to America, I'm not telling you what happened with Monica Lewinsky. It's not your business. Right. Right. Couldn't he have? You would think so. I mean, so think, why not so. do that? Because he'd rather because they'd rather lie. Their their impulse is to lie. Their their reaction is to lie. That's what's why. That's how they are wired is to just simply tell a lie. Because it's the same thing with little children, with little kids. I think I'm going to get in trouble, so I'm just going to lie. That's how they react. That's how they are wired. And until you change that wiring, that's what you're going to get. And the fact is, with a 68 year old woman, you're not going to change her wiring. So. Speaking of deplorables, do? do you have that phone number for that gentleman we're going to call? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to I'm going to call him. Do you think he's going to pick up? Uh, 
Um, you know what? If he doesn't, that's fine. But I'm hoping he does because we have a lot to talk to this creature about. If he doesn't, we'll just talk about him then. We'll do an interpretive dance if he doesn't. Yes, yes. In fact, let me take my shirt off now. <clears throat> you calling? Are you still yeah. searching for the number? Or are you calling him right now? I have it. I'm okay. calling him. All right, be quiet because right. I'm going to try something. Hello? Hi, may I please speak with Jason Howerton? Hello? <laughs> you know, if you weren't the worst person in the world, so it was so obvious that it was you, then you might have gotten it. I know. I told you we were calling. Well, you're you're on the church. I was actually going to pretend to be HR for a different place <laughs> and, and say that we were missing what we needed and that your new job fell through. Um, America, by well, the way, you're listening well, to... You, you, sounded, you sounded as ugly as a woman as you would look as oh. a woman. Do you, does you guys hear this? Does everybody hear... This is Jason Howerton. Interim douchebag at theblaze.com. <laughs> and you're on you're on the church boys. So welcome. Oh, thank man. you, thank you. I actually I completely forgot because it's significant part of my life. Are you doing something like, like you crossfitting? What are you doing? What's happening? He's getting no, a sandwich because he's starving. Oh, he's oh, oh god. That's so funny. Actually, I just ate Subway and I just I got done uh with uh some training and some tying up some loose ends. And I'm pretty much done now. I just have to turn in my laptop. So it's like pretty official. So for those of you who don't know, Jason Howerton is abandoning the blaze and actually leaving the site <laughs> and, and saying, I've already done this a few months ago, so he's a little late to the party. But um, I have gone and now Jason is leaving. Jason has decided he would rather um, professionally twerk in a in a twerk convention. He's going to just travel the world twerking. Is that correct, Jason? That is correct. No, but it's, it's tell, tell us what, what you're going to be doing, because I'm actually very happy for you. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've been at the Blaze for almost five years. Um, I, you were really the only person, I think, that was there. Well, Chris, too. Yeah. So you and Chris are like, uh, we're like the, the only ones who were still there that, uh, you know, was there when I started. So it's been almost five years, huge part of my identity. It's kind of weird. Uh, but I uh, am leaving to join uh, IJR, Independent Journal Review, to uh, join their creative team to uh, work on original content, uh, some like you know cool original videos, and some new stuff. Uh, you know, not not very uh, unlike what I you know wanted to do more of at the Blaze, but yeah. you know the the stuff with Marcus Luttrell, shooting competitions, and you know getting my butt kicked by Navy SEALs, that kind of stuff. I'm still going to try to take that style. Um, and kind of be unleashed a little bit to just be creative for a while. All right. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. That it's going to be weird. I mean, I'm, it's weird leaving the blaze. You know, it was really hard because like, like you, I had been there for so long and, and you kind of have to like relearn everything because you're so used to doing what you do, you know, and I'm still kind of adjusting a couple months later, so it'll be an adjustment, but you're going to go work with Benifer, um, <laughs> Benifer. Benifer Johnson, Benny Johnson, who yes, we all Benny had Johnson. the joy of, we all the joy of working with. But I wanted to address with you an accusation about <laughs> me. This was the best part of my week right here. Go ahead. Well, there's this allegation floating around in your Twitter feed that I was apparently drunk in a hotel room. 
don't okay. start with yeah, your I, version I've, of the story. Let's start with your version. I'm happy to tell this story. Um, so uh, during Restoring Love in Dallas, um, I guess it's a while ago now, like time is really weird. Yeah. Um, but I think it was, what, was it 2012 even? 2013 I think it was 2012. Geez, that's insanity. So four years ago, uh, we were at Restoring Love at uh, Cowboy Stadium. Uh, we were working, and um, Benny and Billy, Benny Johnson and, and Billy, were uh, sharing a hotel or in the same hotel. I don't, were you guys sharing a room? Yeah, yeah, we were in the just same staying room. in the same. We were in the same okay, room. Okay, so they were sharing a room like little girls, and um, <laughs> I went out with them for the night. We went, got some babes chicken. It was really good. I ate some fried chicken, came back. Uh, I picked up some beer. Billy, of course, being the uh, princess that he is, uh, had a bottle of wine. Um, and we just, you know, we sat around talking for a little while. We were you know, drinking, having a nice little time. Uh, Billy, I think, if I had to count, I'd probably say, we, by this point, we were on, like, glass number three and a half to four. And, uh, and Billy was on the bed, and he started laughing. And because he was drunk... He says he wasn't, but because he was drunk, he literally just tipped his glass over as if he forgot that it was attached to his hand anymore. <laughs> Not what and it and it went all over the mattress. And because he was drunk, he freaked out because he thought he was going to be charged for the mattress. And okay, <laughs> let's he, wait, a minute, on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's let him finish, Billy. Let him finish. Oh, let him finish. This, this is the best part. This is the best part because when I when I turned around to look <laughs> to see what he was doing, he had a wet rag from the hotel and he was literally just smearing wine into the mattress and it wasn't getting cleaned up even a little bit. He was just like putting it deeper into the mattress uh, frantically. If you can imagine like watching Billy very frantically trying to wipe up this wine to no avail, and I think I almost threw up. I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. All right, I want to clarify a few things. I was not drunk. I did have a couple glasses of wine. I I did not tip the glass over. I remember picking up a pillow to hit one of you. Okay, and when I went when I went to hit, oh yeah. That's, that's much better. When it, you, that's when it's you better. definitely weren't drunk. That's much better. <laughs> yeah, so wait, wait, so wait. it's better that Billy yeah. was getting in a pillow fight with Benny. No, I remember. Exactly. I do not way remember. More manly. I remember two things. I remember there being wine everywhere, not just the mat, like oh. on the sheets, on the bedding. And I remember grabbing it looked, towels. It looked, it looked like a crime scene. And I was, I was screaming at the two of you because ne- you're just both sitting there drinking, watching me frantically trying to clean the room up. <laughs> I was, I was convinced laughing. we were going to get billed yeah. for all of it, and we didn't. We got billed for nothing. But you that night, for some reason, slept on like the windowsill. Is that? Am I correct? <laughs> it, it wasn't the windowsill. It was like a little. It was, it was a like a little yeah. nook. But don't you? That wasn't supposed to be a bed. Don't you live in Dallas? I do I, live in Dallas, but uh, I was. I, look, I'm a, I'm a man. I admit I was drunk. I wasn't about to drive home. Well, I was not drunk. I was I had a, two glasses of wine and I missed when I tried to hit somebody with a pillow. So for accuracy's sake, I will clarify uh-huh. that. It's, what I uh-huh. Billy, I was not I was not drunk on wine. I was just swinging a pillow around and I missed because yeah. I swing like a girl. After a couple of glasses of wine, I was having a pillow fight in a hotel with two men. <laughs> 
That's a great story. I'm glad you, you know what. Honestly, it made, it's much it better. Made it, it made it more embarrassing for you than my this, story. This story. Well, you were involved in all of this. All I remember that you were the you were you were not helpful. Neither of you were helpful. Um, and Benny was very moody on that trip. By the way, we that should get. Him oh my gosh, was, Benny was so oh, moody. I remember oh when God. I spilled the green beans. You would have thought that I slapped his mother. Um, he was, he was crazy. I, I, he was he was very moody that trip. I think he was. I think he was homesick. Uh, maybe or he was insane on that trip. I remember, like, and I had to live with him. I mean, and we're we were good friends. But I was like, I have to live, and like, I just it was crazy. But now you get to work with him, which will be fun because he's super creative and uh, very smart. And um, you know, he's you're annoyingly, not. He's exactly. He's annoyingly creative, and so it's. It's I'm in a new situation where um, there, you know, not not to sound arrogant, which it will sound arrogant no matter what. Wow, you've never um, sounded arrogant. This will be exactly. But I'll be in a situation where I probably won't be the most talented guy walking in there who knows everything. And so it's going to be a new kind of challenge to where um, I'm probably going to, you know, have to get used to that part of Benny just like completely. Um, out creativing me uh, for a while so before I really, uh, you know, get things under control. Because I like to, because I like to tease you. So you're gonna get used to not being the most talented guy in the room. Is that what you're, <laughs> is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I just want to make I sure we had that. You. I just want to make sure we had that straight. I can't deal with you. I really can't. I mean, I, yeah, I guess you had what two look, months after I left look. being the most talented, but so that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I do miss. I do miss like the daily team atmosphere of like. Yeah. But now we can have you on the show to talk about IJ review crap that's going yes. on. That's you right. can totally, yeah, totally. And it, like, I'm gonna have so much more free time. It's like insane. Like, I don't even know what I'm gonna do with myself, to be honest. Like, yeah. I have. I'm gonna have. To, like, not that I'm still gonna be working a lot, <laughs> but comparatively to what I've been doing, it's right. like I'm gonna have so much. It's gonna feel like I'm on vacation almost. Yeah. Like I'm working half days. Well, you're gonna be creative now, which is good. You think your fans are gonna follow you, Jason? You think you're gonna get them to follow you over to IJ? <laughs> Yes, I think all seven of them are going to, including come. Tom Arnold, who you apparently have a bromance. Oh yeah, with. so tell me this story. I, including, I, re I remember there's being a Tom Arnold connection, and then Billy told me, or you said, or something that that Tom Arnold sent you a note. What is? I forget the Tom Arnold background and story. What is this? Okay, it's a, it's actually a pretty good story, and I and I adore Tom. Arnold. Like he's probably my favorite person in Hollywood. No, like for real. Now, did, um, would you say so, that if you would you say that if you didn't have this connection with him? Or he's become, well, no, of course he not. Because I only say I only say that because I know I know him personally, so okay. I know that I should adore him. Okay. Versus, uh, you know, okay. other people, but uh, it's a good story. So uh, it was it was actually the Blaze that did it for me. He had gone on the View, and he did that very common thing that celebrities do, where they get semi-automatic and automatic rifles mixed up. Right. And so he had said something about automatic rifles because he's not an anti-gun guy, but he is like kind of, you want like a little more control and this and that. And so, uh, he had said something about that and I did a story about it. Um, it was actually a little more snarky probably than I, I, I would say my stories generally have been as you know, cause it, like that, like kind of really annoys me because of how much it happens. Um, but so I did a story kind of, kind of, you know, that didn't make him look great. Uh, you know, getting this automatic weapon thing wrong. And so he DMs me on Twitter and he's like, basically, he, basically what he said was like, touche, 
you know, you caught me with my pants down. Um, can he was like, I actually know the difference and I just screwed up. Will you give me a chance to, you know, respond? I was like, absolutely. Of course I'll let you respond. And so we did a follow-up story. Uh, I let him kind of give his, his take and his, you know, views on the second amendment and everything else. And it was a great story. And he was really happy with the, um, the tone of it and felt like I was really fair to him. And so, um, since then we started DMing and texting a little bit to the point where, I mean, like it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's not like we're best friends, but like, like after his surgery, he sent me an, just an, he had like a hernia or something. And he sent me just a horrific, horrific video, like the way guys do it to each other to try to just gross each other out and yeah. make them want to kill themselves. Yeah, I still did you, can't wait. Did he replay it? Did he replay it during your slumber party? <laughs> <laughs> we have. We look. We haven't had our slumber party yet. I'm, I'm still excited when he comes to Dallas for you know a show. Wasn't he married uh, to Roseanne won. Barr? He was. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes, he, he was. blocked me on Twitter. Roseanne Barr and Cher have both blocked me, which I think is probably oh, a good thing. Uh, that's a very good thing, my friend. All right. Well, Jason, do you have any final words for him? Chris? For who? I'm not talking to you, Jason. Chris, do you have any final? Oh, <laughs> I don't. I said I said my nice thing to him on Slack. I don't know if he's seen Which it. Which he even shared it, it with me. I, and I was like, wow, Chris actually has a soul. So, so that's on, anyway, that's Jason. On Slack. I do miss working with you, and I and I am happy for you. I and am I too. think I think it's a good, it's a great place for you. The Blaze will be a sadder place without yep, you. I agree. Um, I mean, it was already very sad without me, but it'll be way worse without you. <laughs> and um, you know. I'm well, here's the, thing. here's the great thing. Here's the great thing about all the people who have come and gone and, um, you know, people like John Seidel and Madeline and you, Billy, Chris, uh, Liz Klimas, like all, all these people who were just awesome, awesome people. Uh, and the people who are still there now, like when you're kind of, when you have that blaze connection, it's like kind of like a forever thing. Like yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like you and I work together in the future, if any of us like work right. together in the future or cross paths again, I know we'll talk whether it's Twitter, you know, every now and then texting each other. Right. Um, and it doesn't feel like goodbye to me. So yeah. like, that's, a, that's the positive. That, that is a good thing. We, attitude I'm taking. we have avoided, yeah. we have avoided sidle at all costs though. Yeah. Well, well. I have it. I haven't, unfortunately. I've been. Uh, You've been uh, roped he in. For, he force-fed me uh, beers on occasion. So. Oh, okay. Well, let me let me say this because I do think people who are outside, and I know people who listen to this show, a lot of them are Blaze, are Blaze listeners. You know, it was it's very much because of how we were founded and all of us together in the yeah. initial group, which the three of us were in most of that initial group. Yep. You know, it was a family atmosphere. You know, and it was very much like we were family. So it's like almost leaving a family. And yep. so, the, but the nice part of that is the connection and staying. I mean, I talk to people almost daily. Somebody from the Blaze I talk to daily, yep. um, still, which I think is. A really different thing from other places. I agree. Um, I agree. And oh, so, yeah, yeah I, it's a, it's a special, weird connection, and I think we'll always have it because we we built something really fun together, and we're a part of something really cool. Yeah. So I only have one piece of advice for you, Jason, when you go to IG Review and that team that you're going to be working with, and that is, uh, don't let anybody steal your stuff. <laughs> don't let anybody steal my stuff. Yeah, your material. I'm going to stay away from that one. Copyright all your stuff and make sure that. Oh nobody... my god! <laughs> J- all right, Jason. So it's fun having away. you on. I'm going to let you go before Chris ruins your life. Um, <laughs> goodbye. Right, we'll talk to you later, Jason. Thank you, guys. Okay, bye, bye. All right, bye. Bye. So why are you a life ruiner? <laughs> I do what I can to make people miserable because it's the only way. That, it's the only thing that brings me joy.
Just try to derail other people's I'm not touching that one. Try to derail other people's I would not either. Yeah. Um, look, honestly, as I shuffle papers, I I really do. It, that family thing is yeah. totally true, though. Totally and I true. think that is what has kept it keeps people together. And, and I've had a lot of jobs and I don't yeah. talk to people like that. I mean, I don't it's there was there were genuine friendships built. Yeah. I've had you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of all of the jobs that I've had. I've had some of those friendships that have lasted, and I know that that, that will happen. You know, with the Blaze people too, the people who have left. I mean, including even including Seidel. You know, we stay in contact. And <laughs> sorry, <laughs> even Seidel. Even Seidel. Okay, no, we, yeah, I, look, Seidel got me the job at the Blaze. That was nice of him to do that to us. I do, you know. I I yeah. think it's I think it's great for Jason. It's time. Look, there comes a time when it's just time, and I think yeah. that time came for Jason. Yeah, it's, um, it's a it's a good move for him. It's a good organization, and Benny is super creative. He and, is and one high, of the most creative high, people and for high sure. energy, and they're gonna they're gonna have a blast together. And I'm excited for him because in this managing editor position he's had here, he spent a lot of time having to do office work, paperwork kind of stuff, and getting away from the creativity things that he prefers. And and I'm with him. The creative side is the fun stuff. It's the the office paperwork stuff that's just so getting get so frustrating. The office politics, that kind of thing. So he'll be doing. He'll do great. I know that he will. Well, and I I guess I would say, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's crazy that he thinks he's the most talented person at the Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, okay, anyway, I, but I would. Now you're just being mean. Because look, I love I love Jason yes, Howerton. I know but you this do. is Jason Howerton. He's like, I created the world. I'm wonderful, and you're going <laughs> to love he me. This? He's gonna listen to this, and he's gonna say, "But what a jerk!" And, and he's gonna be like, "This is consistent with the person I worked with for five years." <laughs> um, I know Jason. We love you, and you are semi-creative and semi-talented. And you're welcome. And you're welcome <laughs> back on this show anytime. <laughs> You, you're very talented, and we we will miss you, even when, though I'm already gone, and when, I can't when, miss you because when, I haven't you, worked with you, you since June. Would you please just be nice? <laughs> <laughs> I made it nice. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Um, so are we? De we're done with Kanks McGee. We're done with with um, Jason. What what else is left? Oh, we we have we we have some other things we could talk about. Okay, what do we got? Because I'm let's up, talk I'm about, up for anything. Here's what we need to talk about. I actually yeah. just wrote a story about this. Okay, can, um, we, come, can we take a break and come back? Because I gotta pee like a racehorse. You, you uh, Chris pees like 17 times during not. the show. Stop. All right, go ahead, go just, pee. Just a second. Okay, we'll be right back. Back to the church boys. So. We're going to talk about two more things before we're done here. And wasn't that good, Chris? I brought us back that the proper not, way. That was nice. It was very it was nice. professional. You, I made it nice. Um, well, I, so, so where does that come from? I, it's, it comes from a reality show that my wife watches called The Housewives. And it's uh, this woman was yelling and uh, after a party went badly. No, no, no. It, it, she screamed, I made it nice, this Italian woman. And now I just want to say it all the time. <laughs> my wife thinks it's awesome, too. I made it nice. Um, anyway, right. and the best part is her name is Dorinda. Of course it is. <laughs> anyway, so wait, before you bring it up, I want to see if I can find something that can go with what you're about to talk about. Just a minute. Uh, I don't know if I have it or not. I thought I did. Wow, oh. this is riveting. I, well, it's, it's the sticky, gooey center of the show, right? 
No, it's uh, the idiocy of the sh <laughs> not finding it so go ahead i actually thought that was the noise that you were putting on i was like what where does this end <laughs> i can't is find it? it go ahead i thought i'd find uh, some christmas music but i can i could i'm mean, some christmas sounds but i couldn't find it so you are dumber <clears throat> I know. than fuck you really are go ahead um so basically it's september <laughs> what better time what better time? It's never too early to start having nativity drama. And this is an ongoing legal battle in Indiana. Concord Public Schools, Concord High School right. um, is the high school. You guys might remember a story last year where this high school had a live nativity <clears throat> in the middle of their Christmas show. And they did this live nativity every year for like 50 years. And the students would participate. They would read from you know the Bible story of Jesus' right. birth. And they would play Christmas songs that were religious in nature, telling the story of Christmas, which, right. you know, is a holiday that 90 to some odd percent of the country celebrates. Anyway, atheists got involved. The ACLU got involved. An unnamed parent and their unnamed child and two other unnamed parents decided to sue, joining forces with the, the ever-freedom-loving ACLU and the Freedom from Religion Foundation. And by the way, the ACLU does pick some good cases sometimes. I think this one I is will never understand. I will never understand the ACLU. Yeah, it, it, one day it makes understand. sense, the next it doesn't. But anyway, in, in this case... They said it was unconstitutional for the school to not have any other religious sentiment at all and only to have the nativity in, in that Christmas show, right. in that holiday show. And so they sued, and a judge agreed. And just weeks before the 2015 uh, show would have gone on, they broke tradition, and they were forced to take the nativity out. But the school said, okay, fine, we won't have a nativity. But then when the show happened, when the show unfolded, there was suddenly Mary the three wise men, Joseph and Jesus, as mannequins on the stage. So it wasn't students. So when, and when did that happen? 2015, last December. But it happened in December, okay. Last December. So they, they have the nativity, but they don't use people. They don't use students. They use mannequins. And then they also include a Hanukkah song and a Kwanzaa song, which is very interesting. What's the Hanukkah now, song? Now, what, what were you going to say? What's the Hanukkah song? Dreidel, I don't know. Dreidel, that dreidel, dreidel. Was... I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. No? Please never sing again on yeah. this show. Um, anyway, they, so, of course, that the ACLU and the Freedom from Religion Foundation, or at least the Freedom from Religion Foundation, was not happy that there was this amended version. But a judge ruled this week, this past week, that because they balanced it out and because they removed the students and because it wasn't a 21-minute nativity, it was only a couple-minute nativity, that they didn't violate the First Amendment and that this amended version of the show can go on. And so people are – a lot of people are looking at this as a victory. Although they can't have their live nativity, they get to keep the nativity in the show. So – I think it's hilarious that the school district played them and said, okay, we're not going to do anything. And then at the last minute, it was like, you know what? We're going to have a nativity. It'll look a little different. We're not getting rid of that traditional story. We're not getting rid of those songs. So that's what that, but that's what's amazing. So the people, <clears throat> the, the courts say, the courts have said, the story of the nativity isn't what's offensive. It's the not giving other people the same chance to tell a story. Is that right? Because yeah, they didn't, well, they didn't, yeah, and they're I not think, banning the nativity. It's just that as long as you have the nativity and other things. And some would argue that that the other things, like Santa Claus and secular images, could be enough to balance it out. Yeah, right. Because I don't understand why Kwanzaa matters. Not I'm not talking about Kwanzaa itself. It's not a religious holiday or or a real holiday for that. Well, matter. we can have that discussion. We should have the creator on since he's still alive and teaching, and, and have Ann Coulter debate him because she writes about this every year. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, how the FBI agree. Yeah, I've seen some resources. Anyway, regardless of, the, of that, it's not a religious holiday. So it's right. interesting that they threw Kwanzaa in. But um, obviously Hanukkah is. And I think a lot of the shows I was in for Christmas also had Hanukkah songs in them. It was never really an issue. Hmm. Uh, so and now Hanukkah doesn't always fall during Christmas. It's great. Right? But if you're going to do close. a holiday show, you kind of find. Yeah, so um, anyway, there, there you go. And I think, look, where I live, there's a high concentration of, of Jewish people. And so it's completely expected that at Christmas time, yep. you are going to be in a situation where um, perhaps you see a giant menorah next to a Christmas tree. And everyone's right. fine with it. Everyone loves it. There's no issue. So yeah. if there is a legitimate holiday... I don't see what the problem is. I think atheists are angry that they don't have a legitimate holiday and they feel right. that, their, that their solstice celebrations are being hijacked. So right. they don't want anybody else to enjoy anything. Okay. Well, the, but it comes, if, if you're atheist, you have to understand holiday comes from holy day. Well, you don't believe in holiness. You don't believe in any sort of religious thing. So you can't ha you don't actually have actual holidays. That's just period. Now the term holiday has become a generic term, but the fact is, Holy days, you don't have any. You don't. There, there are no religious. There are no non-religious holy days because it's it's just not possible. So, you know, what are you doing? Did you fall down? I'm just I'm papers. That's what I'm doing. Exhausting. Well, let's talk about Genesis one. Oh no! So are you going to? And I did do a story on this okay. for Desert News as well. So and you okay, can read go it. ahead. Because are you going to get us? <laughs> are you going to get into this whole young earth? Older thing is that what you're doing here? Is that what you're doing to me? No, no, no. I'm going to get into Tim Kaine, into Tim Kaine, who, oh, who that's a scary I, place. I, here's the thing: I will tolerate people who have different viewpoints on theology. I'll even tolerate the wrong, yep. maybe viewpoints if there's at least a reason behind why somebody believes it. What I cannot right. tolerate is somebody who says something so ass backwards and insane <laughs> about the Bible or theology and uses it to back up a political viewpoint when it, what they're saying makes no sense. Like it's actually a crazy statement. And right. so Tim Kaine was speaking before the human rights campaigns annual Ugh. dinner on Saturday, last Saturday night. Yeah. And he was talking about his support for gay marriage and his Catholic, his intense Catholic right. faith. Now, in talking about his Catholic faith, he said he believes that the Catholic Church will change its mind on gay marriage and so at some point will embrace it. Okay, he might believe that. Anything's possible. I don't think that's going to happen, but anything's possible. Right. Could happen. Could happen. But then, and I just, I need to pull the quote up. I need to pull it up because it's, yeah. I, I don't want to, I, I want to actually. He said something, yeah, about the church changing its views or something. But he, point right, the church will, will change its views. And then he points to Genesis 1. To back up his point, and um, what, what in Genesis one exactly did he? I'm gonna, I'm oh, gonna because tell you, I have it right here. Hold on, I'm good. pulling it up right now. Um, let's see here. Pretty sure Genesis one is the exact scripture that traditional marriage people use to say uh, it's supposed to be a man and a chick. Right. So so. Again, and, and I don't care what your perspective is on it. We can disagree over these issues. Right. But if you're going to you, you have to have at least a sound methodology for how you're arriving at what you're saying. Right. 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 Um, now, sorry, my computer's running a little slow. It says, OK. Um, OK, I think it's going to change. He said this referring to the Catholic Church. Right. Quote, because my church also teaches me about a creator who in the first chapter of Genesis 
surveyed the entire world, including mankind, and said, it is very good. Right. Okay, if your argument, it, what he was, what God was referring to was not, was not that human beings are just, first of all, it was before the fall. I was so even say, if he is referring before to. Sin, I mean, before sin entered the world, by the way, and exactly. he created one man and one woman to, right. as, as whatever. Okay. Now, now Tim Kaine clearly has is, never is gone beyond clearly, Genesis 1. Clearly is a moron. Because when you get to Genesis 4, 5, and 6, doesn't right. something, doesn't God destroy everything that, was, <laughs> that yes. he allegedly because thought of, was good? Right. And then, oh, and then perhaps later in Genesis, there's a, there's a couple of towns named Sodom and Gomorrah that are also brought into the equation. So now, even if right. this, you don't even have to, you don't even you have, have to, to agree that you think. Right. You don't even have to go there. You don't even have to agree with the. This has right. nothing to do with gay marriage right now. It has right. to do with the, the. What you are saying is you're basing the goodness of humanity and the and the fact that anything yep. that human beings yep. apparently do is perfect and good because right. God, talking about His own creation and before the fall, <laughs> said it, that that it is very good. You're you're on quicksand. This is insane. This man stood he, before. He always it, it's 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 ass backwards. It's insanity is what it is. And it's just <laughs> completely nuts. And but this is what these people are doing. They take scripture, they twist it, yep. and they use it. And people look, people do this on all sides, but this one doesn't even make sense. Yeah. I can't figure it out. He, he is a loony. And and the funny thing is so when I was in when I lived in Virginia, he was our he was our governor for four years when I lived in Virginia. And we all called him the eyebrow because if you watch him when he speaks, like one eyebrow hit get way up there. I mean, it's like, he's, he's a crazy person. He's a crazy person. Wasn't a horrible governor, but is a crazy person. I so believe he, it. But he also came out and talked about abortion. He had to have, what is it? The Bishop or whatever that runs the, his area of Catholicism. I don't even know how the Catholic church works. Right. But there's like you know, the diocese, super, the right. diocese so the, came the, out. Yeah. France, his, I, what I remember about this guy is he has an Italian sounding last name and his middle initial is X. So whatever this guy's name is, has come out twice now to admonish Kane uh, to say, one, you can't be Catholic and pro-choice, pro-abortion. And he's come out and admonished Kane on that. And then Kane comes out and says, I think he doesn't just, he doesn't just quote scripture, misquote scripture, and misunderstand scripture and theology. He comes out and says that he thinks that the Catholic Church is going to come around on it. That he thinks that the Catholic Church is going to change its stance on gay marriage. And it's like, but then bases on what it on, on, bad, on bad theology. But here's the thing. It but wouldn't be so comical if it wasn't the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, I which know, makes you think he never read beyond it. Oh, I'm sure that he has. I, I don't think that he has. But, but the fact that he would then come out and not only state it, Excusing, using bad theology and obviously lack of understanding of scripture, but also they would come out and speak for the Holy Roman, the Roman Catholic Church, and say, "Yeah, I think they're going to change their views on marriage to match mine." What a dope! It's, it's just, insane. What it's, it, is, it is an insane thing to do. So he has come out and twice now, whoever it is that runs, you know, the the priest dude, the, the Reverend, what's his name, has come out twice now to admonish Cain on abortion and on marriage stuff, and it is it's spectacular it's unbelievable to me that this person um i would rather have somebody say i don't believe the bible i'm an atheist at this point than to, than to actually take it and twist it because right, it is not not only are you twisted it's twisting yep. it stupidly yep. you actually sound like the like an idiot because yes. this is not accurate totally you're not using a base i know i've heard arguments i don't agree with them always on some of these issues right. where people will think it through fine think it right. through 
Right. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Kwanzaa and Hanukkah if you're at Concord Schools. But I cannot uh, – I'm going to lose my mind. I'm about to have an outrage of the week. <laughs> I'm on the verge of losing my mind over these people. They're, it's just insane. Um, I think we're done here. Do we have anything else to torture people with? Uh, no, unless you wanted to call Scanlon our official junk correspondent because there's been some more sightings of the uh, the naked Trump statues. I don't know if she's been on top of that or not. But also she's written the stuff on Kane. I don't know if we want to talk to her. No. And she's a Catholic, I and believe. And she's Catholic. She's like Shiite Catholic to, to <laughs> steal from. To, to steal Do from. Do you ever remember? We've called her before. I don't know if I have her number or not. You know, maybe we can get her next time. It is. We have been up. We have been doing this for a while now. Do you want to do a marathon show or we just keep going and going? Or do you need to take a um, nap? Do you need to take your nap? I, I'm not interested, to be honest with you. <laughs> In talking to you, you anymore. You had enough. I, I have you had enough Catholicism for my enough, class. Enough Catholicism for what? Oh yeah, you're teaching a class. Tell people about your class and about the little <laughs> because this is this is a great note to end the show on. You have to share <laughs> the class that you teach and the asininity that comes through. Oh gosh, I I <laughs> love teaching, but people are crazy. I mean, you get these things that happen where they'll say, give excuses or say things, and it's like, what in the world? Right. Who in the world would yeah. think that it's okay? Yeah. I set, can't even the, say what one of the things was okay, because the, they listen. But okay. Oh, they do? Yeah, some of them okay. do, I think. Okay, so, so, uh, set, but, so set this up. You don't, and you don't have to get the name of the school where you teach, but it's not a community college. Is that correct? No, no, okay. it's a private school. It's private. a great school, but okay. students everywhere are right. interesting. So... You take attendance. I, the reason we were talking about this is because you have to work. You're working on attendance for this thing. I am. Okay, so, I am. I have to. I get my attendance in. Make sure people are there. So, so I, I teach two classes a week. Okay. I teach it's speech communication. Both of them. How are. to organize your thoughts. How to present them. Um, I can't imagine that they're learning anything in this class. Because <laughs> I've had conversations well, with you. Yeah, I can't imagine they are either. But so, no, it's actually, it's a fun class because we, we spend a lot of time on the election, debating, right. discussing what's going on. Not all of them are into politics, obviously, but but I think for a lot of them, um, is it you know, it's, Is it an undergrad class? Is it a 101? Is it a 202? <clears throat> what, what, what do you got here? It's a 110, but it's required okay. for everybody. So you get grad students, you get 50-year-olds, okay. you get 20-year-olds, you get 18-year-olds. So, it's a so mix. You know, you teach twice a week. Is it the same class twice a week? Do you teach the yeah. same class like Tuesdays, Thursdays or something? Or what's the... It's two different classes. That um, So it's a three-hour block once a week for each class. So I have about I have about 50 50 students or in so? Each, in each class? Or 50 no, total. 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 Okay. It's like 20-some-odd students in All each. Right. Now, you have spoken to me about some of the communications you've had with student let's 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 say past students let me t no let me let me tell you my best one okay okay is it the one that you told me this week no it's oh. better than that one can you this? share the, can you share the one from this week <clears throat> no oh. no i'm not going to because i don't want to no. no okay yeah i know you're dying for me too because you, you want so you, your goal in your life is for me to lose my job <laughs> everywhere um <laughs> what i will say what I will say okay. is that I had a student who could not coherently put a speech together. I make this class oh, yeah. very, very, not easy. I mean, it is easy, but I don't want people to be uncomfortable. Speaking is really hard for people. So let's start right. with the basics. 
I will help you and I want you to get better. That's the whole goal. But if you show up consistently late, you don't do any work, you sound like a thumbtack, you just right. you can't get anything to come out of your mouth that's coherent, well, you're not going to do very well. It's it's hard to fail my class. You have to want to fail my class. Right. This one guy doesn't show up all semester to give a good speech. He gets like Fs, Ds on everything. He shows up, gives this amazing speech. I'm sitting there like, oh, no, there, there's something wrong. There's yeah. no way this is happening. And about the Titanic and, and like the Titanic sinking and it's it's flowing. There's good main points and it makes sense. And then I'm like, I type in like three words of this speech in quotes into Google. Oh, no. And word for word. Like when oh, I say plagiarize, man. it wasn't like it was actually he printed somebody else's speech off, put his it. name on it and, and then delivered it. it. Yeah. It was insane. But his, anyway. but his delivery was good? I mean, it was good for reading off of a paper, which you're not, we're not supposed to do. But it was it was a decent enough delivery where it was still awful, but it was he was usually so awful that it was like a five-star for him. Um, and that, But I had never seen somebody plagiarize like that before. Because yeah. I, think, I think we tend to... All right, let me... I think we get a little bit... We overreact about plagiar plagiarism sometimes. Like something can innocently happen, and it's serious. And we and plagiarism oh, sure, shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I know people. But there's, there's a big difference between <laughs> taking things and yes. and trying not to attribute them, right? And it's accidentally like, forgetting. Yes, something. accidentally. These people always <laughs> accidentally. A, is it difficult being such a horrific person? It actually comes quite. <sighs> I really don't even know what to like. I don't even know what to say to you. Do you ever? No, do you ever I look don't. in the mirror and say to yourself, "I don't have any mirrors in my house." I would neither if I were you. All right, I'm over the show today. <laughs> you're right. Oh, your book that you're working on. I had a question. Okay, <laughs> is it how close is it to done? Um, well, about 53,000 words, um, are at the publisher right now being read okay. with the, with my editor being read and I'm interacting with them on small things. And then I will get around September 20th, the next couple days here, I will get all of their changes back. Okay. I have three weeks to make them and then it will be fully done. So it's, oh, really? I would say it's 80%, 90% oh, of the week. That's uh, good. Now, the, the long, the thing that seemed to me that would take the longest as far as the once you've done the research and you start doing the writing, I think it would take the longest to me is like creating the footnotes, like knowing where to put footnotes and then put that in the back. Is that horribly time consuming? That's gotta be so awful. the nice. The nice thing is I don't. I didn't deal with that at all in the last book, and they deal with the publisher deals. So with how a lot do they that, know where so. to? But how do they know where to put the footnotes? So when I, whenever I do anything, I obsessively hyperlink throughout. Okay. Um, oh, so exactly. They have, where. So they have to click on the links. You send them, <laughs> or links. I note it. Yeah. Okay. Or I'll send them documentation like here. And so we have like an on the nice part is with an editor and I'm working with the same editor who did Armageddon coach. She's great. Yeah. Uh, Megan Turner. She's, she's super helpful and, and right. just great. And so she will um, manage a lot of that. And then, you know, we'll go through and make sure that it's all been covered, that it's all there. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, she has, she's very thorough. So she'll have questions. Okay. Well, like what, even, even if a pair, if a um, chapter is too short, right. like what if we collapse these chapters, like, trying sure. to figure out, sure. you know, I have to say like, <clears throat> with Armageddon Code, there wasn't a lot of major. Ed I was very lucky; there weren't a lot of big yeah. major edits. But who knows? There may be in this. How many? This how many words was the final Armageddon Code book? It was around fifty thousand too. And, so, I and think. this new one will be around fifty thousand. 
probably. I think this one might hit like fifty-five okay. thousand. Wow, um, might be a little longer. I I have to. I'm actually working on the conclusion <clears throat> this weekend, which is the most important part of the book. I think one of the most important parts. Nobody I gets to the con- nobody gets to the conclusion. How is it possibly the most important part of the book? Well, you know, the, in this the case, cover is the most important <clears throat> part, and you have nothing to do with that. This book will read. I think, like, even if you read it and didn't get to the conclusion, you'd still take something away. But the conclusion will be the part that I hope convicts people a little bit more. Okay. Because the people who complain about bias and all that, yeah, there's another side to those complaints that Christians don't like to talk about. Yeah. And 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 which is their own retreat from every <laughs> from every yeah. area of society. Yes, I understand. So, that. Um, <clears throat> and I, to be honest with you, I was rushing to get the manuscript in, and I did a very Eh, job on the conclusion so i'm still working on that so what's but. the target date for a publication it's you know and and this is the other crazy thing it's it's unless something crazy happens it's locked in and oh, it's really? march 7th also not for a few months it'll be after christmas yeah, then. Okay. yeah after christmas um <clears throat> you know and and we'll keep editing it over and over again until sure. like just to catch little things once right. the big edit and, so, and who knows in the in the next couple of months things could change right i mean there could be a there are things that already have since I get, you know, that's the no, thing. That's, that's, the, that's the hard part. But and on current events, it's tough. It's um, and you don't you don't want to miss big things that are happening. Where oh, that would have been great to include, you know. Right. So there, there's a point where they're like, okay, you cannot submit anything. Like right. we're done. Right. You know? yeah, You have to cut it off sometime. All right. Um, oh, cool. But, that's good to hear. So now, if I and here's the reason I really brought this up. I didn't mean to go this long on this. If I happen to forget to get the book or I'm really running behind. Would you be willing to photograph pages of the book and send them over to me? Is that a yes or no? Would you do no, that? I don't do that. Okay. The Church Boys.